Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Rebecca Mazzino and with me is Tara Tuttle and together we are going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hi and welcome to the show today. Today we are going to review and discuss and critique The Power of Habit, which is a book written by Charles Duhigg, a very well-known book. Um, was published in 2012 uh, by Charles and he's a Pulitzer Prize winning author. Spent 114 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list so it's uh, it's been pretty popular for a very long time. And the reason we've decided to review this book is because Beck kept dropping it into conversations and I had no idea what she was talking about. Well, she'd say something about the habit loop and I'd be like, what are you talking about, Beck? So... We decided I'd read the book and then we can have a chat about it and you can decide if it's something you want to read as well. So the book originally came about because Duhigg learned about this situation going on in Iraq. There was a whole lot of um, local people who were gathering in the afternoons and the evenings for one reason or another in like public places and then they these gatherings were gaining momentum and turning into riots and there were people being injured and there were stores being um, smashed and things like that and it became this big situation going on in Iraq. And this US Army major uh, learned of the situation and asked the town mayor to stop food vendors from setting their food trucks and food carts up in the town square where the riots were occurring to see if it would make a difference, and it did. Uh, People would gather, then they'd get hungry, there'd be no food to fuel their anger and their violence, and they'd all go home. So when Charles Mm. Duhigg learned about this scenario, it made him think about people's habits and how changing habits could change outcomes, and it led to years of research into people's personal stories with habits, society habits, business and marketing habits and strategies, and he came up with this book. So, Beck, now tell tell me and tell everyone, why do you love it so much? Oh, it's one of those things that helps you learn something about yourself that you can actually take action on. That was the, my favourite part of it was that I read it and I said, and I thought, I have control over this and I can actually change my habits and I can change actually even I can change behaviours that I didn't realise were habits or that I didn't realise came out of habit. And it just sort of empowered me, I guess, which the word empower kind of, you know, it reeks of Tony Robbins. But um, it, that's, that's kind of how I felt. I felt like I had a little bit more power over my own behaviour and my own actions and and a little bit of power over my own destiny and I really liked that. There's practical stuff in here as well as uh, theoretical and, and scientific um, facts. It's practical uh, as well, which I loved. Yeah, that I've, I think you've, you've nailed it. It's quite insightful and not just there's insight there into how you know businesses market to us and you know why society does stuff but there's really um personal insights as well and it's quite funny how going through it you start questioning things or it's like you have a new filter on and the way you behave and then you stop and you think is that a habit what Mm -hmm. what did I where what what was the precursor to that habit you know and it's almost Mm -hmm. like you have a new language to look at your own behavior 
you know, and talk about it and think about it with. So, yeah, mm. I can I can appreciate why that, you know, appealed to you. Because the, the thing is, and I think somewhere in the book he says how what the percentage is, I think, but it's, and I can't remember it, but it's a very large percentage of stuff we do day in, day out is habit-based and most of it we don't realise is habit-based, but we, we do a lot and our brains are very focused on efficiency. And so if it can save time in some way, it will. And it saves time. One of the ways it saves time and energy is to automate some systems and take them out of the, the processing part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, and stick them into the long-term storage part of our brain where, where we sort of do things automatically. And that actually saves our brain a lot because, you know, we don't have to think, you know, which foot should I pick up to put my in my pants first? Um, and, you know, when do I, you know, how do I what do I do when the phone rings? Um, instead of thinking, okay, the phone is ringing, sh- do I need to go over and pick it up now? We, we just reach for it. You know, it's it's one of those things that our brain puts in place to save us. And sometimes it's helpful and other times it's not helpful. And so the good thing about this book is that it helps you see where you might have unhelpful habits and how you might be able to change them. Very nicely put. So do you think you could summarise what the key takeaway from the book? I mean, it, it, it is a big book, isn't it? Yeah, and it's got a few different sections. So I might just break down the sections first. Um, so he's got three three parts. Well, there's actually four parts, but the fourth part is like an appendix, but I actually find that the most important part, so I'm going to call it a four-part sort of book. And the first part is about the habits of individuals. Uh, the second part is the habits of organisations or successful organisations, but he does talk about habits of unsuccessful organisations as well, uh, and the habits of society or societies. And I actually found the habits of individuals the most useful. The habits of successful organisations was interesting as well because it taught me a little bit about how we're marketed to and it made me a little bit angry <laughs> about being taken advantage of. Um, but I, I kind of knew most of that anyway. Uh, but it was interesting. But I didn't find I could apply much of it to my own life. Um, but it was very interesting from, you know, just from a business perspective. Uh, the third part, the habits of societies, um, that was there was a bit of talk about legal stuff in there and how um, we can, how our habits can be used for or against us in cases of crime and legal issues. Um, so that was sort of a bit of interest, bit interesting. The final bit, though, which is actually the reader's guide to using the ideas in the book, I found that really interesting because it basically steps you through this is how you change a habit, which I find invaluable. Yeah, so as with the last book review we did, I listened to the audiobook which was about 10 and a half hours long, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting that you talk about the sections because I remember clearly the first three, but I actually don't think that fourth section, that appendix, is it's not summarised in the book or at the end of the Ooh. audio book. But it's the kind of thing I would say if you were going, if you were interested in it, the audio book was great, but... 
it's the kind of thing that if you wanted to go deeper or revisit or whatever, I think, you know, for me, I will probably now buy, I'll see if I can find a secondhand copy of the book because there mm. are bits that I would like to tag and revisit and underline, which you obviously can't do with an audiobook. And I would be yeah. really interested to see the appendix and some of that kind of summarised, concise and um, yeah. practical application of what he talks about. Yeah, well, there's images as well, um, which, you know, I mean, they're not necessary, but the the image of the habit loop is, you, know, you, mean, you can imagine it in your brain, but it's still useful to see it. Yeah, so the habit loop effectively, that probably is the core or the biggest takeaway mm. from the book. So do you want to talk us through what the habit loop is, what it looks like? Yeah, the habit loop is basically a cycle of behaviour and um, our have cycle of, sorry, habitual behaviour, not all behaviour, but habitual behaviour. And it's just made up of uh, three main parts. There is a cue and the cue is the trigger and that is the trigger to basically kick off whatever it is that you are going to do. The routine is what you do after the trigger. So that's the either physical or emotional action that you take to um, obtain a reward at the end and then the third part is the reward at the end. And so talking about that particular loop with those three different parts to the habit loop, um, what it does is it shows you where what is behaviour and uh, what is what is choosable, <laughs> I guess, um, and why you're doing it because that reward at the end uh, of the habit loop is actually your the reason for the habit existing in the first place. And um, so in order to change those habits, um, you you could, I mean, he's, one of his quotes says, to change a habit you must keep the old cue and deliver the old reward but insert a new routine. I, upon reading this, I thought, well, actually you can change the cue, you can change the routine, routine you can change the reward, but you just can't change them all at once. Mm-hmm. But if the unhelpful part is the routine, then um, you would be seeking to change that and leave the cue and the reward the same. For me, I find that sometimes the reward is the unhelpful part. So, for example, with me drinking too much Coke, it's not the routine that's unhelpful, it's the well, maybe it is the routine that's unhelpful because it's the drinking of the Coke and then the reward is whatever it is I feel after that, which is probably the sugar hit. Yeah, so maybe changing the routine I can still get a, yeah, maybe he's right. Well, of course he's right. He knows what he's talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I love that we've actually seen the light bulb moment happen (laughs) while you're talking us through it. So good. Even after I've read the book five times or something. (laughs) Um, oh I was going to. It was ask just a bad a, example, I think. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask about if you've applied it to your own life. Like, I, it's funny. As soon as I had read it and started thinking about it, I was thinking, okay, right. Start looking at some of my um, habits or things that are bad habits or things that are good habits, and I've tried it with um, one thing, uh, really successfully so I have like at night when um everything's done the housework's done kids are in bed there's nothing left to do I will make a cup of herbal tea and break off one row of chocolate dark chocolate the darker the better and sit Mm. on the couch and hubby and I will watch like half an hour of a tv show and I've been 
thinking for years I should just cut out the chocolate not that I would cut out chocolate because I love chocolate but like have that have my roll of chocolate at lunchtime rather than it because sometimes it can be 9 30 or 10 o'clock at night Mm. and I'm having chocolate right before going to bed so I thought I wonder (laughs) when I read and I've always just been like oh it's the end of the day this is just this is what I do Hmm. Um, and the story in my head was that it was just too hard to change. So then reading this book, I was like, right, I wonder if I can use this to apply to the chocolate habit. So now I have my chocolate at lunchtime, because I always have a cup of tea after lunch, so I have it with that cup of tea. So now the cue is still the same. The end of the day is done. I uh, make my herbal tea. The routine is different because now I only make the tea, I don't get the chocolate, and I hmm. sit on the couch. But I, the reward is the same because the reward is actually about stopping, ending my day, sitting down Mm -hmm. and being relaxed it was just that the chocolate bit in it was not helpful at that time of day so it was it's but once I broke it apart and was like I don't have to stop sitting down at the end of the day and I don't need a different cue the cue is fine the the issue is the routine which is the eating the chocolate so I'll modify that a bit but I still have the same reward I still feel relaxed and Mm. um, sit and rest I just am missing a part and it's fine and I've just transferred that bit to a different part of my day so um but it but it's funny how as soon as you start applying it and thinking about it you know in application to a problem or a habit that you want to change it just gives you so much more understanding I think mm. yeah I am um, I did apply this when I first read the book years ago because you know those of you that know me well know how much I love my coca-cola and embarrassingly so much and it's so much in fact that she even has a (laughs) pair of earrings don't you new pair of coca-cola earrings yes sure (laughs) um And I, when I talk, show when I show friends, they're all like, "That is so you." And I'm thinking, how pathetic is it that like these earrings represent me <laughs> because they're little little bottles of Coke on earrings? Uh, I have to be careful. I don't wear my bottle of Coke earrings with my Coke T-shirt, um, so that has oh. to be. <laughs> anyway, I yeah, I obviously stuff's not good for you, and you know everyone knows that, and I know that the same way a smoker knows that smoking's not good for them and they keep smoking. I know that Coke's not good for me and I keep drinking it. And I thought, well, I'll what, what I'll do is I'll reduce my Coke intake. I don't have to give it up altogether. It's something I enjoy. I don't do. I don't really feed my body any other poisons. Uh, it's my only poison. And so I thought, well, if I reduce it, then I will be a bit healthier. And so what I did is I used the the habit loop. Um, And what I did is I changed the um, reward. And so I changed the reward because I thought, okay, what was was it that I got out of drinking it? And um, obviously there's the comfort in the habit. There's that comfort in the routine. Like you were sort of saying it's a a nice, there's comfort in doing the same thing you've always done. Mm. And um, so there's sort of, there's comfort in that. There's also obviously possibly a caffeine hit. I don't know that I have enough to have a caffeine hit though. Um, there's, I think there's less ca- caffeine in Coke than there is in coffee, but the sugar hit for sure. And um, also the cold freshness of it as well. So I sort of thought about that and I thought, okay, so how can I get cold, sweet freshness without Coke? So obviously another fizzy drink is still not a healthy choice, but it is a way to to break the habit. So instead I was having like a 
if I was out, I was buying a different kind of soft drink. If I was home, I was having a soda stream with a bit of cordial or a bit of lemon juice, depending on my mood. The lemon juice wouldn't come if I was tired. I would need the sugar hit, so I would use cordial. But um, that what that did is that enabled me to break the habit of the actual, the Coke itself by just inserting delivering the same reward with a different routine so either a a different kind of drink or using the soda stream or something like that so the cue was always the same and I always got the cue when I was um, thirsty or having lunch and they were the two main cues if I hadn't drunk enough water or if I was about to sit down for lunch so those were my two cues and then the routine was grab a coke buy a coke and then the reward was fresh thirst quenching sweet uh, so yeah, with the new, so that really did help. And I've obviously fallen off the wagon on and off, you know, the wagon and I'm currently totally off the wagon. But after reading this again, I thought, well, I know I've done it before. I can do it again. So it's, you know, that's one way that I could see I can apply the the habit loop um, to one of my habits. Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of underpinning the entire book is, you know, Charles says, that the golden rule of changing habits is not about resisting the craving. Like he talks about your willpower and that it's finite, that you can't just mm. you can't just hold off or deprive yourself forever. If you have a cue and it triggers, you know, the routine which trigger which leads to the reward, stop resisting it. Just redirect it. Change the routine. Mm keep the cue, keep the reward and change the routine or keep the cue, keep the routine and change the reward if the reward is a bad reward. But, you know, that's the thing he's, it's, and I think that's what makes it feel so doable because I was almost expecting this to be a book about just pump up your willpower muscle and change mm. your habits. And I think that's why so many people fail when they're losing weight or starting an exercise program or whatever because they're using just willpower Um, like sheer determination, which eventually will run out or you'll get sick or you'll feel too tired or something like that. And then once the willpower is gone, the floodgates are open for all the bad habits where this is almost feels more scientific Mm. and, and seeing, and it's easier, it's easier to apply once you kind of understand the, the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah, and that's the the great thing about having the actual book and I I reckon, yeah, you should get your hands on a a hard copy because the back of it in the appendix, it has like steps. Step one, identify your routine. Um, Step two, um, experiment with rewards. So like I did with, you know, trying out a different soft drink, um, seeing if that satisfied the cravings or not. Um, and then, you know, once you've had a few experiments with the the rewards, um, you isolate your cue, you know, what is it that triggers you and when and how can I just focus in on that tiny little cue um, and kick off a new routine um, to get to the different rewards. So you create, you know, step four is then you have a plan and I don't want to give it all away so that no one buys his book, which I'm clearly not giving it away very well at all, <laughs> describing it, but I'm thinking, I don't know how good a job I'm doing of this. And then there is a, the plan. So, you know, you step four is you have your plan. When I uh, recognise this cue, I will do this routine in order to receive this reward. And so you actually then implement that plan. Whenever the cue hits, you implement the, the plan. And one of the things he says at the end is, you know, sometimes that it, requir- it requires repeated experiments and failures, 
And so you're experimenting with different rewards, you're experimenting with different routines. Um, Maybe even you're trying to change your cue, which would be the hardest thing to change, I would expect. But if you keep on trying and if you understand how the habit loop works, then you can keep on trying different versions of the the cue, the habit, the cue, the routine and the reward until you come up with a combination that's helpful for you and you're sort of, you know, achieving your goals then. And if you've not read it and are thinking, oh, here's this super thick, I don't know, how, how many pages are there, Beck? Do you know? Uh, I can't tell you because I read it on my ebook on my iPad. So it's got four hundred and seventeen pages on my um, okay my ebook or ten and a half hours of listening. You think okay, <laughs> that's a lot of time to explain this little habit loop. But there is so much yeah um, application to real world, and it's I think and there's so many different examples. And just listening to you then talk about the plan, and he says. Um, he gives an example in terms of um, when he was talking about businesses and corporations, about Starbucks staff, and quite often, you know, the staff that work in Starbucks are college students, uni students, or um, younger people, and was saying that a lot of, there was a really high turnover rate because people, customers would get angry that their orders had been stuffed up or they were having a bad day and they'd take it out on um, the customer service people or take it out on the barista. And... Mm -hmm these young people didn't know how to respond uh, and they would feel overwhelmed, get anxious and then think, oh, this is too hard, I'll, I'll leave. And he talks about them, you know, breaking it down and, you know, the cue and the routine and the reward in terms of someone gets angry, what do we do? But he, he puts so much emphasis then on the plan that if these kids took the time out before this scenario happened to plan some of the options. So what, what mm. if someone gets angry that you're taking too long, what could we do? Okay, well, so, you know, let's plan. That's the cue. The routine then would be to offer them a free cup for their next or offer them this one on the house or this or this or this. Um, if it goes this way, we'll do that. If it goes that way, we'll do that. The reward is customer's happy. I don't get yelled at. It's a, you know, mm. win-win for everyone. And he said the power, a lot of the power is in the planning because then when this stuff happens, you don't feel blindsided. You're not just running on ha- old habits that might not have served mm. you. You've, you've plotted this out. You've taken the time to think about it. And then, you know, he uses another example about people doing rehab after hip operations or something like that. And the people that planned how they were going to, rehabilitate themselves so they were you know told that they had to move for at least 10 minutes a day the people that planned how they would incorporate that movement into their daily life once they got home were far more successful um, and had a lot more movement a lot quicker than the people that didn't plan their rehab and so he he talks about these key ideas but he uses so many different scenarios So that even Mm. when you think, you know, when he's talking about rehab, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, whatever, that's not really applicable. But, oh, okay, yeah, customer service, that might, that's, you know, planning Mm. that could apply to my life, you know. And so there's so many different ways that he delivers the same message so that if you kind of can't relate to one area, there's a plethora of others that might kind of help nail the idea home. And I love that. Like it it appeared tedious at the start because I thought, who can talk about this for so long other than you and I? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but then I was, once I got into it, it wasn't, I did not find it boring at all because the stories were riveting, they were interesting, there were scientific ones, there were just personal accounts. 
and there was a lot of them, so a lot of chopping and changing to see how this applies across so many fields. So I found it actually for a long book uh, really interesting. I was going to call it a page turner, but it wasn't a page turner. It was a, <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just listened a to press it a player. lot. A press, press player. resume yeah. button. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, re- I was really uh, I, I interested in part of the marketing when they talk about tar- um, Target, this this department store they talk he talked about their marketing techniques and how there was one story I think that a marketing a a previous marketing executive related was that Target had worked out that someone was pregnant before she knew or before no she knew but her parents didn't know she was pregnant that's right and she started getting all of these marketing things sent to her marketing um, baby products and the parents were upset about and confused about why she was getting all this um, stuff and it was because she was pregnant but she hadn't told them yet. And so Target had known she was pregnant without her telling them and so they were personalising, kind of like the targeted Instagram ads, they were personalising the mail-outs to her, basically targeting her for baby products and stuff like that, And um, which is quite a bit scary and I think maybe when this book first came out, it would have been more scary. Now we're kind of used to it. We're kind mm. of used to, we hear stories about people saying, oh, I was having a conversation with a friend about how I needed to fix my fence. And then the next time I went on Instagram, there was a fence repair company ad. And, you know, it's, we, we talk about it now, we're kind of getting used to it, which is freaky that we're kind of getting used to it. Um, but back then, um, I think it would have been even more, a bit more shocking that they kind of knew something before they'd been told in, in any way whatsoever so that was that was really interesting um that that marketing thing and I mean it doesn't sound like it but that does come back to habits it does relate to habits but you'd have to read it to figure out how mm. and even the t- the toothpaste discussion about how yeah, they the didn't teeth. used to be toothpaste which now we can't imagine <clears throat> but at some point someone had to bring it in and the the idea that you're going to get people to commit to <clears throat> excuse me brushing their teeth um, once if not twice a day, creating a whole new habit and routine and where's mm. the cue and what's the point, what's the reward? My kids still yeah. ask me now what so is they the created reward? a cue. Like they, yeah, they created a cue. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> clever, clever, clever. And you know, because and it wasn't just that they did it straight off. They released these products and it had no um impact. Mm on people and then someone went in and had a think about it and I can't remember the details and said well this is what we need to create a cue so that that people start start doing this and now we all do it without thinking it has become a habit yeah. and a healthy yeah. habit for most of us yeah um the cue was the fuzziness so they did advertise they did marketed ads I think saying that you know that furry feeling that you get you can get rid of that with this toothpaste or something so it made people run their tongue over their teeth. Did you just created, do it then? Yes, of course I did. <laughs> you, can't, you can't, I found that you can't talk about that without doing it. And now everyone has <laughs> just listened to this and has run their, tongue, run over their, their teeth tongue over their teeth. Because as soon as someone See? mentions doing that, you can't not do it. Yeah. So they created the cue of running your tongue over your teeth, feeling fur and then wanting to go and get rid of that fur. And that's it. Like, yeah. 
And, it's, Very and that clever. was it. And so then now we all, we're all addicted to toothpaste. Um, and it's really interesting, little things like that. And there's a great story about Febreze as well, which we're not going to tell because that'll just spoil it. We're not going to. Won't tell you want, all the stories. We want people to actually get this book. We don't want to just give it all away. <laughs> yeah. But I guess that's that's the thing, isn't it? There's stuff that we would never think to question, like brushing our teeth, which mm. which is explained in this book. And you go, there's like, I hate the whole aha moments because I feel <laughs> like everyone has aha moments about everything. But there was a lot of aha moments in this book. I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. I never knew. Um, yeah, which is good, which is good. So, you know, obviously we highly recommend this book. Um, how did you find the e-version? Was it good? Would you recommend that? Or do you think it's, you know, would be better in pen and, or, you know, paper version that you could highlight and yeah. tag pages and stuff? I, w- I have to say I kind of, I think I w- would like a hard copy. And I don't get many hard copies of books, but this is one that um, is on my list to grab if I see it. Uh, I don't like need to sort of order it now, but it, I did find that having it as an ebook meant that yeah, I I would have had to just sit down and take notes, whereas I kind of you know with a normal book I would have just scribbled in the scribbled on the book. <laughs> Mm. We'll put tabs in or something like that just um, because it is the kind of thing that you can refer back to over time. You know, anytime you want to um, look at your life and, and change something that's happening in your life that you think might be habitual, um, you can just go back and revisit the book. And uh, and reading it a few times is not a bad thing. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think I will get um, the paper version as well because I have mm. a few of my favourite non-fiction books have got all those little yeah. taggy bits sticking out the side and notes and pretty different colored every time I go through I have a different colored mm. gel pen <laughs> so I think oh, yeah. this is the third time I'm looking I'm saying <laughs> that because I'm looking at another book which we'll have to review at some point called essentialism yeah. which I love and I've read about 10 times and every time Ooh, I have I different, read that so different color pen and then I so I can go oh that was obviously important on my third reading when I had the green <laughs> pen because it's all highlighted in green but yeah. um yeah, so I would, I mean, if you're an audiobook person, you definitely still get a lot out of it. But there were a few times I had to pause and I would, what I would usually do if I was out on a walk or something, I would just take a snapshot of my, uh, like a screenshot of my phone so I would oh, remember the point the in which chapter mm. to come back to and revisit. Um, couldn't do that when I was driving, obviously, so some of those bits uh, didn't get saved. Mm. But it's still, if that's the way you consume books, you still get a lot, like I still got a lot out of it. And and I think, I think I mean, it, obviously it sounds like we're highly recommending this. And I'm glad, I'm so glad that you talked about it that much that <laughs> you made me go, okay, <laughs> kind of made let's, you just, read it. <laughs> let's just do it. And so the whole idea of these keystone habits um, and the habit loop, oh, hang on, we haven't talked about keystone habits. Have I was we? just going to say that. I was going to say you haven't actually, what is a keystone habit? Just tell everyone what that is first because that is something that you wanted to talk about but we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah, keystone habits are the small changes or small habits that you make in your life that ha- have a domino effect or a flow over into other positive habits. So uh, Charles gives the example of keeping a food journal, which is a keystone habit, that flows into people making lots of other positive changes in their life. So not just Mm -hmm. around losing weight, but it changes patterns around 
all of their eating behavior um, and exit you know people that were keeping a food journal started exercising more regularly and then that led into being more productive at work and things like that so one little habit that flows over and affects lots of other habits mm. in a positive way but he's yep. not the only one that's ever talked about key, keystones habits is he no that's right and like um, there is a, a famous speech online by an, uh, an ex-Navy SEAL or a Navy SEAL about the importance of making your bed. And that um, has been talked about a lot by other people as well about the importance of making your bed and how that is a keystone habit because it has that flow and effect. You know, if you make your bed, you're less likely to just dump something on it in the middle of the day. If you make your bed, it's more obvious if something is out of place and so you're more likely to then put that away. It gives a sense of achievement when you walk back into your room later in the day. Oh, look, I did something. I did. It was easy, but I did it, you know. And he talks about that, that sense of, you know, even if you've had a really bad day, you get home and you can see something that you've achieved. Um, and it's something small, but it's something that makes you feel good and it gives you that sense of achievement. So that's one of the another keystone habit that's talked about a lot. And Fly Lady, uh, again, we have to do a Fly Lady talk because I keep mentioning her. Um, mm-hmm. She talks about the keystone habit of um, she calls it shining the sink, um, but basically it means doing all your dishes. And that is a, a keystone habit that flows on as well because, you know, if you do your dishes, put them all away, polish your sink off, then you're more likely to keep your benches clear, uh, you're able better, better able to prepare meals, which means you're more likely to prepare a healthy meal than a quick cheat meal so if you've got a clear bench you're much more likely to make yourself a, a decent meal for dinner instead of eating a giant packet of chips because there's no room to make dinner so it's that kind of flow on effect as well so we'll i'll pop a link to the navy seal speech on making your bed i'll pop a link to that in our show notes so if you want to i think it's about five or six minutes it's not particularly mm. long but it's a really it's a really good, it's a good thing one. he speaks well yeah mm. um so i'll pop a link of for that if you want to have a look Fly lady, we'll just have to do a talk. Yeah, we just have her. to. Keep, we keep saying, oh, we have to do it, then we forget to put her on our list. Yeah. Uh. So do you do you apply this then to clients at all, Beck? We've talked about how we apply it in our own life. Do you use what you've learned in this book practically with other people at all? Yeah, I yes. Um, but often I don't tell them, well, how do I explain it? I don't actually say, sit down and say, like, this is the habit loop. Here's your cue. Here is your, you know, I don't go through that particular process with them, although I think I do, but I don't use the same words and the same phrases. But what I do is we'll say, okay, so uh, why are you doing this thing? Um, is there a way that we can change the thing that you're doing? And, um, you know, for example, putting things away instead of putting them down. Um, so we look at it that way. But there are some where I can't really, I haven't really tried to identify the reward. I mean, the reward for putting something down instead of away is rushing off to the next thing. Is that the reward? I don't know. It's it's a little bit too vague for some of the habits that my clients have and so we work instead on more the cue and the routine, kind of forget about the reward a little bit. But I use habits with all of my clients in some way or another. They, they will all attest to me telling them all about the power of our subconscious and the power of the habits that we have and how important it is that we look at those. Um, so I definitely use habit management with clients all the time. And I'm, I'm guessing you do too. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because I don't, I, I don't know that I, I had the idea of, you know, habit changing and looking at 
why do you, you know, say it's someone that has a glass of wine in the evening that wants to try and get remove that habit? And I'll, you know, we'd go through a whole lot of brainstorming. So why do you like having a glass of wine? Oh, it switches me off. It helps me relax. Right. Let's talk about all the other activities you do in your life that give you that same feeling and try and replace one with the other. Mm. But I didn't have the the formula, I guess, for yeah, for I think that's why what, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, just yeah. the formula specifically. Yeah. So I think, and now it probably makes it easier for me to explain. Um, and yeah. I don't always do it at the start either. Sometimes I'll say, okay, now you know we've decided to implement this. This, this is working. This is this is why. the framework it fits within, and so mm. now you can take that away and apply it to other areas. And once they've seen that it has changed, even without them understanding the process, they go, "Oh, they come from a place of it does work. I know it works. You've shown me it works, even though I didn't know that that's what I was doing." And then they're more likely to go and try it in other areas. So, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's. I think anyone that either deals or works with people that are, are either you're trying to get them to change habits or you work with people in the aftermath of bad habits could be quite relevant Mm. as well so this could apply all through you know human resource management um, any kind of team leadership and that kind of stuff where you're dealing with people making decisions habit loops Mm. uh, planning for their routines and their rewards and that kind of stuff I think it's really applicable I just think basically what you've said is that if you're a person this could be (laughs) useful for you Actually, we I could try some experiments with my dog as well and see if I could. Well, I've tried that. <laughs> Didn't work? My dog just does whatever she wants. Yeah, like the barking at the dogs out the front. I was mm. thinking, okay, because this is what dog training does kind of as well is they get a different reward for, they get the same reward for a different routine. So one day I sat with her out the front and any time a dog walked past, I fed her a little bit of chicken so she didn't rush off and try and eat the dog. And I sat there for ages and it worked while I was there with the chicken. (laughs) But as soon as I was gone, she was rushing straight down to yell at all the dogs that walked past. Um, So, but I probably didn't try for long enough. I think I gave up because I got bored. Mm. I'm but, sure there'll be some people that will come mention their dog training habits in our community. Yeah. Please come yeah. and share them with us so that we can learn from you. Yeah. How, I, how do I get my dog from to stop hating on other dogs? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that was a really interesting off topic. Um, so basically we recommend this book, don't we, for anyone. It's worth a read. Borrow it from the library. Uh, check it out. Skip past the businessy bits and the society bits if you're not interested and you're just basically interested from your own perspective of changing your own habits. That's totally okay to do that as well and it's easy enough to do uh, as the book is sectioned off. So it's definitely worth a look at, I reckon. And then come and tell us what you think. If you've read it, or if you are going to read it and then finish, come and join us in our community and tell us what you think about it and what your big takeaways were because we'd love to have that discussion and keep the chat going on about this book uh, so that Beck can keep mentioning it for at least another few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, visit us in our community and um, we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or on social media or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.